Welcome to Beyond the Crucible. I'm Warwick Fairfax, the founder of Beyond the Crucible. You know, we live in a different time, but yet in some ways it's not that different. There is this sense that uh, the strong prevail over the weak. It's all about number one, money, power, fame, adulation, whether it's Hollywood, politics, uh, business, my way or the highway. That tends to be more common than maybe the alternative. And so Jesus' approach is still very countercultural. It sounds good in some ways, but when push comes to shove is who are the leaders that succeed? Who are the leaders that get chosen? It's often the larger than life, it's all about me. You know, follow me and adulate, worship me. But Jesus shows us a different way, the way of service, the way of others before self. The way of others before self, the path lined with humility, authenticity, and selflessness. The road we discussed this week on our latest episode of the series within the show, Stories from the Book, Crucible Leadership. Hi, I'm Gary Schneeberger, co-host of the show. The historical figure Warwick and I discuss here is Jesus, specifically his example of servant leadership and his exhortation for us to do as he did. Our conversation is not particularly religious in scope, but designed to encourage you to think and act counterculturally leading in your workplace, your community, as a parent, in a way that makes the needs and well-being of others your highest priority. Why is that not only a noble goal, but a wise one to aim for? As Warwick says, joy and fulfillment come when you're serving other people, living with some other-centered purpose. This listener is uh, another of the episodes uh, that we call Stories from the Book Beyond the Crucible. This is where we take some of the folks that Warwick wrote about in his Wall Street Journal bestseller that came out in 2022. Um, We take some of the individuals he wrote about in that book and we unpack parts of their stories, single slices of their stories that will help you navigate crucibles and lead a life of significance. The one that we're going to do this week is particularly uh, timely because um, as you're hearing this, as we're recording this, we're just a few weeks away from Christmas. And Christmas is uh, the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about Jesus, specifically as Warwick talks in the book about Jesus, what he can teach us all about the subject of servant leadership. Warwick, I'll start the questions by by saying again, common to talk about Jesus at this time of year because of Christmas, but let's start by talking about who Jesus was and the impact he had. Let's, Let's level set the playing field so folks know who is this Jesus that these guys are talking about. Just a bit of historical context. Jesus was born, uh, we believe, around 4 to 6 BC uh, in Bethlehem. That's just outside of Jerusalem in what was then the Roman-occupied Judea. So his parents, uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, they fled Egypt at the time, King Herod. He had heard a story about the Messiah was coming, and so uh, being one to 
protect his pal, he decided in a very horrific way that he would uh, kill all infant boys. And so uh, Jesus' parents fled to Egypt. They later came back to their hometown of Nazareth, and then Jesus grew up in Nazareth for the next 30 years. So after that, and this is obviously pretty familiar to a lot of folks, Jesus lived there till he was about 30 years old in Nazareth, and then he began his ministry that lasted three years. He talked about God and his kingdom and urged people to change the way they lived. Three years later, he was crucified by the Roman authorities. He antagonized the religious leaders of his day, teaching that he was the Messiah, and they certainly felt challenged in his teaching. So that's probably familiar certainly to uh, many, but that's the historical Jesus. You may believe he's the son of God or not, but that, um, you know, there is a historical Jesus and that's who he was and, and how he lived. So let's talk a bit about Jesus' impact in history. It's been said by many historians that the Christian faith was a significant factor in the growth of Western civilization. Again, whether you think that, that was a good or bad thing, Jesus was who he said he was or not, uh, historians uh, over the years have typically said that Christianity had a significant factor in the growth of Western civilization. What is uh, less well known is the growth of Christianity in the first 300 years. Rodney Stark in his uh, great book, The Rise of Christianity, noted in uh, several years after Jesus' death to about 350 AD, uh, the number of followers of Jesus grew from about a thousand to uh, just more than half of the 60 million people that lived in the Roman Empire. And so that's a growth rate of about um, 40% per decade. That's a massive growth. And we're going to talk more in this podcast about what were some of those factors. And there's going to be one particular factor that we're going to hone in on. But I just wanted to level set us about who Jesus was and the impact he had on Western civilization and certainly um, uh, in the Roman Empire the first 300 years um, after he died. Yeah, and that's a you know a wise thing to do when we prepared to, to uh, record this show this morning. That was your idea to sort of, a lot of times, especially at Christmas time, we we assume everybody knows, um, uh, right, who the historical Jesus was and why we're celebrating. And there's a whole bunch of assumptions made there. So uh, it, it's great to be able to, to, to pinpoint some things that will help what is going to follow now, this conversation about the one aspect of uh, Jesus that you unpack the most in your book, and that is servant leadership. And my first question to you on that subject is, how did Jesus indeed model servant leadership? And maybe a little bit about what servant leadership is, right? How did, what is it and how did Jesus model it? You know, servant leadership, indeed humility, was very countercultural uh, at the time. Somebody, I uh, actually know John Dixon, wrote a book, Humilitas, and he's a historian and a Christian leader in Australia. And basically, his thesis that the the word humilitas, humility, uh, it didn't exist at the time. Basically, you know, anything like that word meant humiliation. So basically, the um, culture at the time in in the you know uh, Greek and Roman um, uh, culture was was all about strength. It was about power. It was about being number one, crushing your enemies. 
The idea of the meek shall inherit the earth's servant leadership made no sense. Those are for losers. Winners dominate. Winners control. Winners overthrow. That's the culture of the Greek and Roman world that Jesus was born into and grew up in. It's also true, and again, the purpose of this podcast today is not to proselytize about the Christian faith, but it's also true in of some of his own followers. They thought the same thing. They were not thrilled when he came back, not as a conquering hero with a flaming sword, right? I mean, it, it's the, certainly the cultural prevalence, but even among people who were led to follow him, they still, some of them still wanted him to be that kind of leader. Absolutely right, Gary. Um, at the time, the way that his followers and uh, the Jewish people of the day looked at the scriptures, they thought of the long-promised Messiah that's in Isaiah and uh, another uh, you know, number of other scriptures. They thought of the Messiah as going to be some conquering hero. And at the time, they viewed the Roman uh, Empire as their oppressors, their occupiers, who were occupying the then state of Judea. So when Jesus comes along and says, my kingdom is not of this right. world, and he was more concerned about spreading the kingdom of God, but more into people's hearts, he wasn't really, he was not against freedom at all, but his focus was on changing the hearts of men and women. That is not what the, the people of his day, the oppressed, the Jewish people wanted to hear. It was not at all the Messiah that um, that they thought was coming. So that was sort of a, a disappointment in a lot of ways. And um, when you look at his life, it was a life of service. One of the passages worth focusing on, um, it's one of the most famous passages in the Bible, is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. It's so prominent that many uh, leaders, of e even of other faiths, um, have really admired this passage. Uh, Gandhi, who was the driving force behind the independence of India from Britain in 1947, this is one of the passages he most admired. So let's just look at some of the words in there because it really dovetails into this whole concept of servant leadership. Beginning in Matthew 5, let's read uh, some of the key elements. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This whole idea of blessed are the meek, I mean, that just makes no sense, at least in today's world, and certainly uh, then. So, you know, one of the capstone of Jesus' life is in John 13, and it's one of the greatest examples of servant leadership. Jesus had spent his whole ministry uh, teaching about the kingdom of God and healing the sick and the infirm. He spent his whole life caring for people. In this incredible example in uh, John 13, Jesus knows that this was going to be his last night on earth before he was crucified. And so he takes off his outer clothing, wraps a towel around his waist, and washes his disciples' feet. And then he says to his disciples, basically, now that I have done this, you should do likewise. I mean, one of them, uh, you know, Peter said, well, he, 
don't do this to me. I mean, you know, I mean, he just felt like leaders don't do right. things like this. He just couldn't process it. So can you imagine a Roman emperor or any of the religious leaders of any of the different religions in that day doing something like that? Right. It's just unheard of. So that concept of servant leadership, it may not seem quite as revolutionary today, but it was back then. It was extraordinary. It was new. It made no sense to many people, maybe even most people. Right. And the the example you gave of washing the disciples' feet, right? It's important to remember the, the cultural context of that. These guys walked around with sandals on or no shoes on. Those were not the typical dirty feet inside Nikes, right? I mean, they were, it, he had, <laughs> well right. I mean, there was, you know, he, 12 followed him. He washed all of their feet. It was a, it was a, not a pleasant job. It was a, it was truly a dirty job. Um, that was the level of service that this Messiah King brought to the table. You know, Warwick, I thought it was funny, uh, not funny, Funny in an interesting way, you brought up Gandhi. I found a quote that Gandhi said about um, servant leadership. Uh, he says, "The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in service to others," which you know sort of speaks to the quote that you use often when you talk about Gandhi's view of Christianity and, and Christians. Yeah, no, that is a great quote. You know, to lose yourself in service of others. I mean, that's what Jesus and his early disciples. Did they spent their whole life serving a higher cause and serving others, and never once big noting themselves? Right. Any time that in you know the New Testament people would say, "Hey, Paul, Silas, you know, we think you're sort of gods, or you have these miraculous powers," they would just, which was culturally appropriate at the time, they would tear their clothes and just say, "No, no, no, I'm not a god. Don't worship me." It's like they would just. They just would cringe from any kind of adulation. We're just here as servants. Right. You know, any adulation or fame was completely deflected because that was the model uh, they saw from, from Jesus. He was all about his father's work. It was all about the mission. It, it was not about him. And so, yes, no wonder Gandhi thought that was remarkable. Um, yeah, and it was. Before I ask you another question, all this talk about what, people expected of a Messiah, of a leader, not to be a servant leader. Uh, and then you you preface this by level setting us on, on Jesus's life and his impact on the world in which he came to live. It reminds me, it occurs to me as I'm, as I'm sitting here, it reminds me of what I say about public relations, that there are three ways to make news. The easiest way, which doesn't last that long, doesn't make the greatest impact, is to meet expectations. That's this king coming in and being the kind of king that takes over big sword, you know, violence, um, getting his way. There's exceeding expectations. That can get more noteworthy, and that's maybe why people like Caligula are more noteworthy, because they were really, really violent in the way that they did things. They exceeded expectations as 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 terrible as those expectations were. And the best way to, to as I say, commit news is to upset expectations. And what you described as the growth of the world after Jesus was on the scene. I mean, he upset expectations. That was not what people expected. A servant leader was not what people expected. And look at the 
Look at the impact that had. Look at the quote unquote news, the good news that that made for the world we live in. Boy, that is such a fantastic point, Gary. I think it's worth dwelling on this for another moment. And you know way more about public relations than I do, but I would say in the history of public relations, there's never been a leader who's upset expectations more than Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because people have been looking forward to the Messiah for hundreds of years, and he was so not what they wanted. Right. You know, at least what many people. He, you know, he wasn't about overthrowing the Romans. He was about changing people's hearts. Again, he he wasn't against freedom at all, but he was focusing on um, freeing the heart, if you will. Yeah, I mean, he was a disappointment to many, but yet he disappointed many in, in at the time. But look at the, the lasting impact he's had in the, you know, 2,000 plus years since. So, yes, probably the greatest yeah. upset of expectations in the <laughs> yeah. history of public relations, wouldn't you say, Gary, at least you know, in your expert opinion? Yeah, not and the greatest example with the longest contrail. I mean, that's still going on today. There are people who have just heard some of the things we've been talking about here for the last fifteen minutes or so, who maybe hadn't thought about it in those ways before. So the 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 impact of upsetting expectations by being a servant leader, Jesus, that's still going on today. And here's the next question, because I want you to go. It's not right. Jesus does this, yes, to help those he's come to save, but he also does this as a model to us. Um, So what does what Jesus did in upsetting expectations, um, being a servant leader, what does that teach us about putting others ahead of ourselves? How can we um, model that in our day-to-day lives? You know, we live in a different time, but yet in some ways it's not that different. There is this sense that uh, the strong prevail over the weak. It's all about number one, money, power, fame, adulation, whether it's Hollywood, politics, uh, business, um, my way or the highway. That tends to be more common than maybe the alternative. And so Jesus' approach is still very countercultural. It sounds good in some ways, but when push comes to shove is, who are the leaders that succeed? Who are the leaders that get chosen? It's often the larger than life. It's all about me. You know, follow me and, you know, um, adulate, worship me. But Jesus shows us a different way, the way of service, the, the way of others before self, the thought of a higher p- uh, purpose and others' first agenda, uh, not looking to lord it over others. So um, and when you look at, at Jesus' approach— before dismissing it, you know, forget morality for a moment. I guess the question I would pose to folks is, was it effective? And I would say, very effective. Um, arguably saying that uh, Christianity had one of the biggest influences in the growth of uh, Western civilization. Look at the growth in numbers of people who were followers of his in the first few hundred years after his death. That was incredibly effective. You know, really, Jesus' approach, servant leadership, others-focused, it works. Part of the reason behind the growth in the numbers of uh, Christians in those first few hundred years is there were two or three plagues that decimated significant portions of the population. There was no antidote. There was no cure. And Christians would come alongside people, whether they were believers of, of Jesus or not, and care for them at great risk to their lives. 
And people were astonished by why would they do this? They were living out their philosophy of servant leadership. It's not something you could ignore. It's like, who are these people? You know, it was just, you didn't do that back then. You know, if you saw somebody in trouble, you walked on the other side of the street. That was what you did. That was the same thing. There was no compassion and it wasn't part of the culture. So I think when you look at today, people want to work for leaders that care about them, that are humble and authentic, that put the interest of the team before themselves. And, you know, ask yourself, who would you rather work for? A my way or the highway kind of leader, somebody who will, you know, crush you if it benefits them, or a leader that serves a higher purpose that wants to uplift you, help you be the best that you can be, wants to serve you, care for you, you know, proverbially, you know, wash your feet, so to speak. What kind of leader would you like to work for? For most people, it's pretty obvious. Most of us don't want to be dominated, crushed, and lorded over. We want to be cared for, respected, and uplifted. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what servant leadership does. So I think we can learn a lot from uh, Jesus, irrespective of who you think he is or was, the way he lived his life and the impact it had on Western civilization, the impact it had on the Roman Empire in the first few hundred years after his death is is undeniable. So servant leadership is something, even irrespective of morality, if you want to be an effective leader and have people follow you, it's something you should seriously consider. Yeah. And if you want to bounce back from a crucible, right? I mean, here's some quotes. I pulled a couple uh, uh, more quotes. Booker Washington said this, if you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else, right? You're in the midst of a crucible. You want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. Ralph Waldo Emerson said a similar thing. Poetic, because he's a poet. (laughs) It's one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. Serve and thou shalt be served. So it, it it really is applicable, this idea of servant leadership to helping you move beyond, and I've heard you talk about it many times, moving beyond your crucible, get your eyes off yourself, put your eyes on others. That helps you move through your setback and failure and trauma and tragedy, right? Yeah, it's an excellent point, Gary. It really is. Um, certainly in my life, as listeners know pretty well by now, bouncing back from a you know, the loss of a $2.25 billion company, uh, 150-year-old family media business in Australia under my watch, um, you know, very devastating. I've found in my life and many of the, uh, in fact, most if not all of the guests uh, on our podcast, Beyond the Crucible, have found when they're serving others, serving a purpose, a cause beyond themselves, there is some degree of healing. In fact, a high degree of healing. And when you're caring for others, you know, we talk a lot about a life of significance. And, you know, and that's really, we talk a lot about, you know, why do we talk about that all the time? A, because we think that's what life should be about. But when you look at what pretty much every human wants is joy and fulfillment. How do you get joy and fulfillment? You could talk to any psychologist, I'd say any of the major religions, and they will all agree. And they don't always agree on a lot, but they will agree on this. The joy and fulfillment don't come from money, power, crushing and dominating other people. Humans are not wired that way. Joy and fulfillment comes when you're serving other people, some other-centered purpose. That's where true joy and fulfillment comes from. So as you're trying to bounce back from your crucible, if you're focused on serving others 
often how can I use what I've been through? You know, how can the ashes of my crucible present a vision to care for other people? That will often lead to a vision that is others-focused, and it provides some purpose to the pain in some sense, some reason for living. There's nothing quite so motivating as a cause uh, based on some higher purpose serving others. It just, uh, it's like food for the soul. It, you know, it sort of soothes the wounds. Um, right. So there's no question that, you know, an other-centered purpose, uh, it can definitely be healing for a crucible. It doesn't solve all the pain. It doesn't make the scars go away necessarily, but it does help you get through the next day and find a reason for living, finding something you can get out of the bed in the morning and feel good about, feel like my life has purpose. I know why I'm here. Yeah, That's a, a great gift. I sort of stole, I, my, my rambling there sort of teased the next question uh, about how is servant leadership critical to leading a life of significance? If, I think you covered most of that, but if, is, is there anything else you want to say about that? If you want to lead a life of significance, which we define as a life on purpose dedicated to serving others, you can't you know, even that can be twisted. I mean, humans are creative. You can even twist that into, hey, it's it's all about my vision, uh, my passion. We're going to help people my way. And if we have to break a few eggs in the process of helping people, so be it. Right. There are some who approach even, you know, so-called good things that way. But the reality is if you want people to work for you, you've got to respect them. You've got to, as I think I say in, in, in my book, you've got to give people the keys to the kingdom. You've got to give people uh, the chisel on the Michelangelo's statue of David in Florence. You've got to say, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking, but I'd love your input into the vision. I'd love, you know, I need your help. How can I serve you? How can I make sure that, you know, you see yourself in what we're doing? That sense of servant leadership and in term, including people and lifting them up it's critical because if you want your vision to succeed and you feel like this will really help a lot of people and serve a higher purpose, that's not going to happen unless you have a team of dedicated fellow travelers, as we call them, a team of dedicated followers in some sense. That will only happen if they feel cared for and respected. And so for that to happen, servant leadership is really critical. So you believe in your vision. You believe the world needs it. This is the change the world needs. You better embrace servant leadership if you want it to truly happen in a in, in the fullest sense of, of in the fullest sense of what um, could be possible. Here's another quote I dug up that gets exactly to the point that you're talking about. Albert Pine, I should probably know who Albert Pine is. I do not. Albert Pine said this though, and it goes right off of what you were just saying there. What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others and the world is and remains immortal. Right, that's that legacy piece of moving beyond your crucible about living a life of significance that you talk about um, all the time. We're kind of at the end of the of of this uh, this very interesting discussion. Um, that, and again, as as always, things pop in our heads that we weren't expecting to pop in our heads, which is uh, always fun. But as we wrap, Warwick, what are the big takeaways of Jesus's example of servant leadership? and his exhortation of servant leadership. What do you think are the big takeaways for folks from what we've been talking about? You know, I think people may disagree about who Jesus was or is. Was he the son of God? Was he the Messiah? Certainly at the time, people, a lot of uh, people, Jewish people felt like he wasn't the Messiah they were looking for. 
uh, as they read the scriptures. And today, you know, not everyone will be followers of Christianity or accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, and we get that, I understand. But I guess what we're focusing on here is uh, this example of Jesus' life, and in particular the aspect of his life that we are focusing on here, servant leadership. And I think we think it gives us a lot to learn from. And just think about the movement that Jesus started, that started with a handful of followers who were his servant, who were servant leaders in turn, that generated still more servant leaders, to the fact that more than half of the Roman world uh, were identified as Christians. And in subsequent um, centuries had a massive impact on the growth of Western civilization. So I guess leaving aside uh, who Jesus was and is, was he the son of God? Is he the son of God? Is he the Messiah? You may or may not have, uh, have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Leaving that aside for a moment, um, clearly I think the path of um, others before self, the path of servant leadership, it works and it's well worth respecting uh, and emulating. So obviously uh, both Gary and I believe um, as we head into the Christmas season, uh, the day of Jesus' birth, December 25th at least when we celebrate it, yes, we believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God and is worthy of emulating and believing in, in in the whole sense of that word. But whether or not you're where Gary and I are, everybody has the right to choose their own path. I think it's worthy of looking at the life of Jesus, and in particular this, this aspect of servant leadership and how he treated other people and how successful it made his movement. So in your organization, in your nonprofit, emulating Jesus' as servant leadership, to me, it makes sense. You want to fulfill some higher purpose. You want to make a difference in the world. There's a lot to learn from uh, the man of Jesus and how he led his life. And so that's really why we're focusing on servant leadership. That, that's why we're focusing on Jesus's life. Whether or not you believe he is or was the son of God, I think that there's a lot we can learn from Jesus and how he led his life. And that, folks, is the last word on the subject. I've been in the communications business long enough to know that. And besides, Warwick just mentioned, as he was saying all that, that Christmas is coming. This is the last fresh new episode of the show uh, before Christmas, which is why I put on my, if you're watching on YouTube, I put on my Superman Santa hat uh, to, <laughs> to, to ring in the season uh, here. Thank you, listener, for spending time with us. Uh, here as, as Christmas gets close, um, we do encourage you to to learn the lessons that we've talked about here. Um, we understand, as Warwick pointed out, that that some topics are more close to the hearts of some listeners than others. But the the examples that Warwick's unpacked in this episode, I think, are truly important, and as evidenced by uh, you know the wide array of people whose whose quotes I've read. So, until the next time we're together, which will be after the New Year. Um, when we're together in a brand new episode. Please remember, we do know your crucible experiences are hard. We know they can be especially hard around Christmas time. But we also know this, the crucibles that have happened to you that are maybe happening right now are not the end of your story. In fact, if you apply the lessons that you learn in those crucibles to your life, it can be the best chapter of the new story you're writing because where it leads to is what we've been talking about here and that is a life of significance. Merry Christmas. If you 
enjoyed this episode, learned something from it, we invite you to engage more deeply with those of us at Beyond the Crucible. Visit our website, beyondthecrucible.com, to explore a plethora of offerings to help you transform what's been broken into breakthrough. A great place to start? Our free online assessment, which will help you pinpoint where you are on your journey beyond your crucible and to chart a course forward. See you next week.